0: We welcome you this time and this place. And I pray. Amen, Amen. You guys can be seated. All right, so we are um, getting started into a new four-week series um, that I'm really excited about. Uh, this is kind of in conjunction with what we talked about this past Sunday um, and talking about how uh, when we set a plan to um, our spiritual development in the year, it's really helpful. We do that in so many areas of our lives, but oftentimes we just neglect... Um, our spiritual development and we, we try to boil it down to just reading our Bible and praying. And like I said on Sunday, those things are extremely, extremely important. However, there are tons and tons of spiritual practices that, that we can engage in and that will transform us in different ways. So we're starting a new four week series, um, called How to Make This Year the Best Year Ever. And we're going to be talking about four different spiritual practices. Um, that that we can engage in as Christians in order to allow God to transform us in a special way. Okay, and so tonight, um, what we're going to be talking about is giving. All right, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to give. Um, but I wanted to start off by having you guys talk with the person next to you, um, and these are the two questions I want you guys to uh, to answer with one another. Have you heard the word steward before, which if you've been down here, you probably have, Um, and what do you think it means, and then where do churches get money to do stuff? Um, So take a second to talk with the person next to you about uh, the answer to these questions, at least what you think. Hey, can I have that ten dollars? Not from me, from where? thank you. Okay, let me hear from you guys. Um, what do you think the word steward means? Giving, okay. A good person. A good person, okay. All right. Welcoming. Welcoming, all right. So those are all good. We'll, we'll get to the answer of that here in a second, okay? Um, and then, where do churches get money to do stuff? From the offerings. From the offerings. Right. Yes, from the offerings. Um, ultimately, from God, but also from the offerings. Yeah. So. Um, I wanted to start off tonight by telling you guys a story about um, something that I. Uh, I'm going to tell you two stories. One thing that I got, and one well, actually two things that I got, but I was disappointed with the first one. Um, who here is either 16 or really close to 16 or past 16? Okay, so so who here is excited about their first car? If you haven't already gotten your first car, all right, yeah, like two people, three people, all right. Um, so when I was your age, I was 15 years old, um, I really wanted a Ford Mustang, all right? Who here would like a Ford Mustang, right? Okay, we got one, big fan, okay. So um, what happened was, is my dad was, uh, he he would find a deal here and there um, with cars and literally just show up with a car in the driveway it was kind of, it's now a joke in our family um, because this would happen on multiple occasions. They were all used cars. They were all normally under $5,000, so it wasn't like he was going out buying a brand new car. However, showing up with a car in the middle of the driveway, we literally had jokes about people coming and tying balloons to the um, to the antennas of our cars because our yard or our uh, front our driveway looked like um, a used car sales lot, okay? Because um, I had four siblings, so at some point along the way, like, we literally had close to 10 cars. Um, which is ridiculous. But anyways, that's beside the point. Um, so one day, my dad comes rolling in in a Diatsu Rocky. Does anybody know what that is? Okay, so we got one person, two people that know what that is. Okay, so a Diatsu Rocky is a very uncommon car. It's a very cool car. Looking back on it now, I was like, that would have been a really cool car to have. However, when my dad comes rolling in the driveway, um, When I was 15 and I realized that that was going to be my car when I turned 16, I was kind of disappointed. Because I wasn't in that, like an SUV guy, okay, at that point. I was more of like a, a sports car guy. I really wanted the Ford Mustang. And I remember being really disappointed. Um, and I remember my dad talking to me and saying like, yeah, this is still a good car, yada, yada, yada. Looking back on it, honestly, like I probably should have hung on to the Diatu Rocky because it, it was pretty sweet. It was like a Jeep except not. Um, so like you have like 6,000 Jeeps, no offense to Jeep owners, 6,000 Jeeps that you see like driving to Walmart. Um, the Diatu Rocky... I've yet to see another one, okay? Um, there's a guy out in Woodbury that actually has got it at this point. But anyways, that's beside the point. Um, so uh, my dad uh, got that, and I remember being disappointed in that. Now, how selfish of me, right? Like my dad had gone out and got me a car, and I was like turning my nose up at it because it wasn't a Ford Mustang. Um, then fast forward the clock, I was about to turn 16, and um, I remember the Diatze Rocky disappeared, all right? And I was coming out of basketball practice one day at MTCS. What, what, Cougars? Okay, yeah, one person. Um, coming out of basketball practice, um, and I remember walking out, and my dad was there with a big old grin on his face, and I didn't know what was up. Um, and I remember he took some keys and threw them at me. And I looked down at him, and guess what was uh, on the keys? A Mustang. A Mustang. So I come walking out of the school, I was I was freaking out, walking out of the school, and there sits a, a red 66 Mustang for me. Yes. Still got it. Um, it's up at my it's parents' house. It is in Louisville. Um, so anyways, and I remember being ecstatic. In fact, I, I kid you not, we had our uh, garage finished out, so we had like French windows where the garage door was, and I literally, like at times, would just stop and just like stare. Like, this is not my car. I wasn't 16 yet. I was almost 16, but I was like looking at it and I was like, this is unbelievable. There's no way that's my car. There's no way this is a real deal, but it was a real deal and it ended up being my, um, first, well, technically second car because I gave a stink about the Diazzi Rocket. Listen, don't give a stink if your parents get you a car you don't want, okay? I'm not trying to give you guys uh, permission to do that. The reason I want to share this story is, is that I think that it speaks to how selfish and and self-centered we can often be with our possessions, especially in this country. I was so selfish and so self-centered in what I wanted that I was uh, turning my nose up to a car that was perfectly suitable and that would have worked out well, and I probably would have really enjoyed it. But my dad, being the dad that he is that's very giving, um, went out and he made sure that I got what I wanted, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but at the same time, I look back on that, and I'm just like, what in the world was I thinking, right? Can anybody relate with... Um, not receiving something that you guys really wanted and being like a little turd about it. Anybody? I mean, it doesn't have to be a car. It could be like, hey, did, who who asked for uh, AirPods this this Christmas and didn't get them? Raise your hand. Oh man, I thought everybody asked for AirPods. Maybe everybody got AirPods. Okay, um, but but you guys have experienced asking for something and not getting it right. Okay, can you guys hey can just a couple of people tell me something that you asked for that didn't you didn't get and you were disappointed? A cell phone. A cell phone? She still doesn't have one. Very controlling. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking, people. Uh okay, so a cell phone, did you want an iPhone? And you didn't get one? Did you want a razor? Not a not a razor for like, you know, your legs, but like like, you guys remember the Razors, the flip phones that were, like, that thin? Yes, that is what I want. You did want a Razor? Everybody wanted a Razor. That was the iPhone of our day. Huh? The brick phone that was in our junk drawer. Yes, the Nokia, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that you could play Snake on. Yep. Yeah, you plug it into the car. The light's dim because it's pulling so much energy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. It's serious. It's serious. I remember we had a Zach Morris phone that plugged in the car. It literally did that. It would pull so much energy that like, the, the, uh, like if you had the dome lights on it would dim them a little bit. It was intense. Anyways, okay, so cell phone, what else? Any other, uh, examples of things that you wanted but didn't get? Yes, Mason. Careful, your parents are in here, okay? Okay. Alright. Ah, oh, okay, okay. He wanted a gun. Didn't get his gun. Very expensive gun. Yes. Huh? Hunting? Oh, a husky. All right. All right. Yeah, so cute. Yeah, but it's also abuse to have them down here. They're meant for cold weather, people. All right. I'm not. Re- I'm not really. I don't really mean that. I sort of do. Okay. All right. So. So with your possessions, okay. So give me a few examples of things that you asked for that you're just stoked to get, like this Christmas. What was your biggest gift? AirPods. I got a new glove. New glove. AirPods. AirPods. What a else? Batting cage. Are you? You got a batting cage? <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's intense. Cool. All right, batting cage. I'm um, all What else did you guys get? My my Carhartt and my Crocs. Your Carhartt and Crocs. <laughs> Sounds like a country song. <laughs> Carhartt and Crocs. You should. All right, quickly, a few more subs. Like, like a sandwich. Like Subway. Pin Pin Station. Oh, subwoofers. Are those like sub sandwiches for dogs? I'm just kidding. Okay, so he's got some subs for his for his car or something. Cool. New pots and pans. What? You didn't get anything. All right, you were, you were, uh, yeah, you were ghosted. Ghosted. Yeah, you got a trip. Okay, that's that's a big deal. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, what's the tendency whenever you get something that you really like? When somebody asks you, "Hey, can I borrow that?" When somebody asks you, "Hey, can I borrow your AirPods for a few days?" What would you? <laughs> no. All right. Can I? Okay, can I can I take like your new Crocs and and just go like, I guess you could go mudding in those and it would be it would be all right. I mean, as long as you don't break the sports strap, we're good. Oh yeah, the sports strap. But what if I did break the sports strap? What if I couldn't guarantee that? What would you? What would your tenancy be? I would ask you to pay for another pair, very politely. Okay. And if you did not, I would use sports.
1: All right, you can get
0: with Mason. He might be getting a gun soon. Okay. Um, All right. So the tenancy. In general, when we have some sort of possession that we're really, really proud of is to not let it out of our grasp, right? When we receive something that we really, really like or when we receive money, um, oftentimes we're holding it with closed fist. And we're saying, this is mine, right? These are my AirPods. This is my Mustang. This is my Crocs. This are my Crocs. (laughs) This is my gun. You know, this is my, 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 my. And, and, and we try to cling to those things and oftentimes have a very hard time opening our hands and allowing those things to be a blessing to someone else. Can anybody relate with that? Am I the only weirdo in this room that can't? Wait, what? No. Okay. So everybody can relate with the fact that it's easier for us to do this with our possessions instead of this. So tonight we're going to talk about being a good steward, which means... Um, being able to figure out how to do this with our possessions, specifically our money, but also just possessions in general, okay? I need two people uh, to come up here real quick. How about I just get two people off the front row? You two, come on. All right, so I'm going to, steward is a kind of a a strange term. Let me make sure I'm getting through these notes for you guys. so steward is a term that was used way back in the day, um, and it basically was someone who managed the money and possessions of someone else, of a wealthy person. So it would be like like uh, somebody. Let me put this into modern day context, okay? Let's say that Hannah here um, was babysitting, and she got whoa, whoa, this is a lot of money, a lot of dough, ten dollars, <laughs> ten ones, okay? So she works and she gets ten ones. All right. And let's say that Hannah here, do you have a savings account? Yes. Okay, she's got a savings account. What bank? Uh, First Tennessee. First Tennessee. With your dad. Okay. Whoa. Franklin Synergy in the back. Hush, hush. All right. This money came from Franklin Synergy, actually. She got that today. Anyways. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. So, she gets the $10. I'm going to teach you what a steward is. She goes to First Tennessee, Jordan, okay? And she goes in and she says, hey, I would like to deposit this in my my savings account. Mm-hmm. Go ahead act it out. Here yeah. you go. Put it in my savings account. Okay. Okay, so Jordan here would take this money and what would she do with it normally? Put it in the savings account, Put it in the savings account eat it. right? Huh? Eat it. She would eat it, which I don't know what Aaron's doing at Franklin Synergy, but um, that actually is a part of my illustration. So she gives it to Jordan and Jordan puts it in the savings account. Okay? Technically, Jordan in our context would be a steward, right? So she's taking care of a wealthy person's ten whole dollars, a wealthy person's money. Okay, so when Hannah hands this over to her, she expects the bank to take care of it. She expects Jordan to take care of it. Okay, so now Hannah decides, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna leave this in the uh, the savings account, and I might come back later and get it." So you go off and she's doing her own thing. Okay, well, one day Jordan here, um, she starts getting hungry. All right. She does something very unethical. She was like, hey, you know what? I want a sub. I want a sub. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to buy myself a sub. And I don't really have money, but I'm going to just take some of this money that's laying around here, um, some of Hannah's money, um, and I'm going to go and buy a sub. And guess what? I'm probably going to go and buy a sub for my coworkers, too, um, because they're pretty hungry. And she goes out, and she takes it to the sub person. I'll be the sub person. That's fine. I don't know what a subperson is supposed to do. I'm like, what would you like on that? Okay, so she spends the ten dollars. All right. Um, I don't. I don't. Sorry, I'm not an actor, people. All right. So she spends the ten dollars, unbeknownst to Hannah. All right. Would you say that that's being a good steward of her money? No. Right. So what happens is is that Hannah decides, hey, I want to go to that new Andy's place, and I want to go and get some sort of custard. Don't really know what type. Maybe like kernel custard. I don't know. Um, So she wants to go get some custard. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> so she wants to go get some custard, so she heads back to the bank. So you go back to the bank, swings the door open. Yes, she walks in. She says, hey, I would like to make a withdrawal. Hey, I would like to make a withdrawal. Okay. So you want to take the $10 out and go and get some Andes, right? Can I just give her a different $10 that was already in her savings account? I'm she sorry. only had $10. She's only babysat once. Oh. Yeah, okay. Wow. So she spent her money. And so, Jordan, now you have to tell her what you did with her money. I bought sandwiches with your $10. <laughs> Why? Because I was hungry. Very sorry. <laughs> have a lovely day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if this happened in real life, if this happened in real life, how do you think Hannah would respond? And you would be angry. Yeah. It's like, give me my money. Right? Because this is technically her money. She she worked hard for it. She went and she babysat some little snot-nosed kid, and she made $10 working for like 10 minutes because the kid was such a snot nose, okay? Um, and so it's her money. It's rightfully her. She takes it to the bank. She expects the bank to be a good steward of it. Oh, old JoJo decides that she's hungry one day. She's a bad steward of her money. She goes and spends it. Yeah, be She's a bad steward of her money. And then rightfully so, Hannah would be disappointed, Okay. It's my money, and I want it now. You guys ready for the plot twist? Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Yes, make Jordan eat the money. Because we're all angry at Jordan right now, right? Because <laughs> yeah, she just... I, mean, I just i just had her spend all of Hannah's money. That's not even Hannah's money. It's our money, but... Um, to spend all of Hannah's money. So we're all frustrated with Jordan. The sad reality and the, the plot twist here is that we are her. Okay? <laughs> got' him, got' him. okay so follow me here the money and the possessions that you guys have where do they come from God God gives them to you just like she gave her the ten dollars and he expects you to be a good steward of the money of the of the things and Oftentimes, we go and we decide, well, you know, like, he's giving me this much money, I, I wanna get this thing, or I want to do this, or I want to do that, or I want to do this, not giving much thought to the fact that this wasn't your money in the first place. And so, so we're, we're working tonight to try to, to shift the way that we think about it, because if, if our idea is that this is my money, we're doing this with it. Like our possessions. We're saying, no, it's gonna be really hard for me to give my money up because it's my money. It's going to be really hard for me to give up my Mustang because it's my Mustang. But it's not really my Mustang. It's not really my money. And so we need to learn how to hold it open-handed and to manage it the way that God's called us to and to use it and leverage it for his glory. That's what being a good steward is. But oftentimes in our culture, we do this with our possessions. Give our actors a round of applause. Yes, you guys can have a seat. So being a good steward is ha- taking the, the resources that God has given us and investing them well and being outrageously generous because we know that God has given us these things and that ultimately he can stop giving them, but that he continues to give them so we continue to be a good steward of his money. Um, so let's keep moving. I've already spent a lot of time on that illustration. So um, in Proverbs uh, three nine, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first produce... Um, of your entire harvest. And then the next uh, passage that I want to look at is bring the full tenth or tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my my house. So we see in Scripture that God is a giver, right? And that He gives us these things and then He expects us to to also be givers. In fact, there's a specific command in Scripture that we should give 10% of our money back to God. Because He's given it to us anyways. So we're called to give 10% back to Him. Now what that looks like is that if you worked for, you know, 10 minutes or whatever, really probably an hour, uh, worked for an hour and made $10, okay, this is from God, all that means is that I'm going to take 10%, which is $1 out of the $9 that I'm going to get to keep, and I give it to the church. That's all it means. It seems like a pretty sweet deal, right? And then we take this $9 and we continue to pray about how God wants us to spend them, save them, and invest them. But but we take the, the best of our crop, the first portion of our paycheck, and we hand it over to God because that's us acknowledging that he's the one that gave it to us in the first place and that we don't need to rely on this to give us safety and security in our lives because God is our safety and security. So we're commanded to give 10%... Um, of our uh, income to God, um, off the top. That doesn't include um, offerings above and beyond that. Um, so the question is: is that uh, like why do you think that God um, asks us to give? Like, why is it that He says, "Hey, I'm going to give you these ten dollars. I want you to give me back one." What's the point in that? It, there is a component of keeping us humble. Um, Obviously, God doesn't need our money. In Psalm twenty-four, one it says, "The earth and everything in it is in the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord." So He doesn't need it. No, He doesn't need our money. Yet He still asks us to give. Right? Um, in addition to that, the the next question is, um, does the church need our money? Okay. So yes and no. So so the reality is is that. If the church doesn't have our money, um, it's still going to prevail because we see that that, uh, that Jesus says, I will build my church and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. Now, we get to take part whenever we give our money and put that in the offering plate in God's kingdom work, and that's a blessing that we receive in that. But ultimately, God's kingdom is going to, 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 to manifest itself because God is way more powerful than how much money I put in the offering plate. Okay that the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. Um, So the point of us giving isn't because God needs our money. It isn't because the church necessarily needs our money. However, the church needs money to function, but like God would still move even if it didn't have the money. Um, The church doesn't need our money. The point of God telling us to give is to be like him. To be like him. This makes complete sense, right? Because in Genesis, we see that um, we're created in his own image. And he created him um, in the image of God. So we're created in his image. Our goal is to be like God. And so we know, I mean, look around at creation and you know that God is a generous God. He did not have to make it as robustly beautiful as it is. He didn't have to make us with five senses so that we could experience the things around us. He didn't have to make it as colorful. Everything could have been in black and white. Or black. Darkness. But that he pours out and pours out and pours out and gives and gives and gives. And even beyond that, he gives his son. We see in John 3.16 that God so loved the world, um, in this way he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The greatest gift that has ever been given. This is God displaying his heart for us. So if he's willing to give his son for us and the sins that we've committed and he's asking us to, to reflect his image, to, to do what he does, and we see that as the example, then of course we want to give. Of course we want to be generous. Of course we want people to look at us and turn their heads sideways like the, the, the um, confused German shepherd look, and and wonder why in the world we are the way that we are. Why is it that we give so much? Why is it that we serve so much? This doesn't economically make sense. And, and and we become these generous people because we're trying to be like God, and God is the greatest giver of all givers. That's why it's so important what we do with the things that he gives us, which is everything that you have. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father in heaven. Okay. But I understand um, that in talking about this, it's like, well, this doesn't sound like it's a whole lot of fun. Um, that. You're saying that if I make $10 that I'm going to have to give $1 to God and then this $9 is still his and I get to steward that the way that he calls me to. But let's say that we make $100. Well, if you make a $100, that means that $10 of it goes into the offering plate and $90 of it goes to, to your bank account so that you can disperse it in the ways that God's calling you to. Of course it's not fun. That's the point. Like Aaron just said it. Like it humbles us. There's a reason why he's calling us to give that we're trying to reflect his image, but there's also a transformational effect that happens when we say, I'm letting go. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to open my hands and I'm going to let go of my resources for the kingdom of God. And I'm going to trust that God is bigger than than my wallet and that he's going to guide and protect us and that he's going to provide. I'm going to let go. And so there's a transformational effect there, um, but it's not easy. Not easy. So the question that we have tonight is, is how do we make this the best year Ever, right? Um, okay, did I skip over a um, little blank on your sheets? I'm so sorry. Discipline doesn't uh, seem enjoyable, but it yields fruit. We're going to be talking about four different spiritual disciplines. Giving is obviously what we're talking about tonight. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it yields fruit. And you see that in Hebrews 12, 11, where it says, No discipline seems enjoyable at the time. But painful, okay, when we sit there and the offering plate gets passed by and we're trying to figure out how bills are going to be met or you guys are trying to figure out how we're going to pay for the AirPods, right, that we're saving up for, and then it passes by and you have to put a little bit in the offering plate, there's a, there's a little bit of pain to that. And that's okay, that's good. That, again, it's humbling and it's us releasing things to God. So it's painful, but later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So we submit ourselves to that type of discipline, the spiritual disciplines, and we uh, receive a fruit that surpasses what, what we could even begin to imagine on a soul level. Okay. So discipline doesn't seem enjoyable, but it yields fruit. So how does giving away my money make this the best year ever? Doesn't seem like that would make the best year ever. Yet, ever. seems like that it would take 10% longer for me to save the money for my new AirPods. So why are you telling us to do this, Jonathan? I think that I've already beat that drum enough. However, um, the first thing is, is that you become less selfish. Our tendency as human beings is to get something and hold on to it. When we give, we have to release it. We have to open our hands, and we have to release it to somebody else. So instead of being a selfish little turd like I am, I'm like, I don't want the Datsun Rocky. I would rather have a Ford Mustang, um, even though that worked out well for me. Um, I look back on that. And I see. I, I'm actually a little bit ashamed of that um, because I was such a selfish little turd. Um, but as we give, we become more and more selfless, and that is becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Because obviously, He's the greatest giver. Um, you become more like God uh, because He's the greatest giver. I um, mean, you're giving. Um, you get to take part in God's work. So when we place this in the offering plate, um, your dollar gets used in the ministry of the church if you're somebody that also gives to other organizations, your money gives them the ability to continue to do what they're doing. So when you invest in, a, in an organization that's that's uh, targeted at doing God's kingdom work, um, uh, you're getting to invest in eternity. And I, I know you guys don't see that. Oftentimes we don't see the, the direct connection between here's a dollar and the offering plate, and now that's investing in eternity. But there's a a direct correlation. And you see that throughout Scripture, that, that the things that we give up in this life, that we're paid so much more in eternity for. Um, and so we get to take part in God's work. Um, so it's, it's super important. Um, you get to be outrageously generous because you can't outgive God. And that's the final one. Why giving this year would make this the best year ever. We can't outgive them. This is not a prosperity gospel where it's like, hey, give me your dollar and you're going to get 100 back. Like, I don't know what God's going to bless you with. It's not about that. What this is about, though, is, hey, because I'm a Christian and because my hope is held somewhere else other than this world and what type of car I drive outside, I get to be outrageously generous in a way that somebody that's all wrapped up in trying to make this world heaven for themselves can't do, which is awesome. You guys as as youth, could you imagine what it would look like For you guys to walk in or walk down to um, you know, Nashville, you're walking down downtown, and you're able to be generous and hand um, a homeless person a plate of food. And what type of an impact that would be to have somebody your age do that instead of somebody my age? Because you're being outrageously generous. Again, one of those German Shepherd moments where we cock our head and we're like, something's different about that person. Mm -hmm. And then we get to share the gospel with them. We get to share the love of Jesus Christ because, yes, there is something different about us. We serve a creator that is outrageously generous, and we're going to be outrageously generous. Okay, so here's the application. I'm going to blow through these, all right? Because now we're going to talk about some really, really practical stuff, okay? All this is practical, but, like, we're going to get really practical. You guys ready to get really practical? Okay, so the first one, be content. Um, Obviously, if you're not content, you're always going to be looking for more. And as you're looking for more and not being content, you're going to do this with everything that God gives you. Hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it, because I'm waiting to be content whenever I get that next thing. But that ultimately will never satisfy you. So be content. Second one is stay away. Okay, so I know this one kind of comes out of left field, but we're, follow me with this. Stay away from student loans. The reason I'm telling you guys this is that you guys, most of you are very close to going to school. Um, listen, I know I've said this down here. Aaron and I, um, really me, uh, <laughs> took out a stupid amount of student loans. And it's caused our life to look very different because we did that. Now, God had never given me, oh my gosh, I don't even want to say the term, like the amount. Anyway, he didn't give me that money. I went to, to Uncle Sam and I said, hey, FedLoan, hook me up, brother, right? And then I take this out and then I have, you know, 8% interest on it. And, and, and if you were to go to a, um, uh, a financial person, the bank person, you were to give them $10 and you're going to say, invest this for me, and then they got negative 8% return on it, how would you feel about that? That would be upsetting. It would be like, you're losing my money, bro. Right? Like every time I come and see you, there's another dollar gone, even though I only gave you 10. There's another dollar gone. That's ridiculous. Okay? And so the reason I bring this up, and we're going to talk about this here in a second, is is that this is a very real thing. All right? Try to guess what the average student loan um, weight is for a person in the class of 2016. That's high. Um, Twenty-five? Thirty-five? Fifty? Thirty-seven thousand one hundred and seventy-two dollars. The average. Okay? Collectively, in the United States, this is a ridiculous. 1.5 trillion, like trillion dollars of student loan debt being held. 1.5 trillion. That's so much money. Okay? But imagine this with me. Let's just say that you leave with this much debt. How is that going to affect the way that you're able to be generous for God? You, have to pay you don't have it to give. You don't. You don't. And it's going to affect at $37,000. Like, you don't have it to give. You don't have a surplus. That's why I'm saying stay the heck away from this. It's not good. Not good. Okay? All right. Don't become part of that $1.5 all right, so stay away from student loans. Um, get a job, you lazy bum, okay? That's another one. So if you're wanting to be outrageously generous, obviously getting a job. There's a stay away from student loans at blank, blank. Oh, I, I didn't want to get on that soapbox, but here we go. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. This one, I, I won't get on a soapbox, I'll just say credit cards. Okay. Because when you turn 18, guess what's going to be coming in the mail to you? A credit card. An application, oh. yeah. Or when you're running through the, the line at Kohl's, and you're 18 years old, guess what they're gonna ask you? Yeah. Yeah, you'll get so much back if you sign up for a credit card. Okay? Credit cards are just the same as student loans where, again, if I was to take the $10 and take it to the bank and say, hey, invest this for me, and I get net, credit cards are way more, like negative 35% return on this, would that be me being a good steward of God's cash? No, it wouldn't. Okay, I'm not like, okay, I don't want to like get on a soapbox with that because I realize that a lot of your parents probably use credit cards and stuff and I'm not like bagging on them or anything. But what I do know is is that people your age, okay, will get to this place where in college it's just kind of like, oh, this make-believe money, you know, like here we go, credit card people are standing in the lobby of my um, student center. I'll just sign up for it just in case. And then you get into crazy amounts of debt and then you get out of school and you can't fulfill what God's called you to, to do. Did you know that if you wanted to be an international missionary with the IMB, that you can't have debt to do that? So you get out of college with debt, and guess what? If you feel called to Africa, you can't go, unless somebody else, like your parents, sign off on that debt, or you pay it off. This is very real, like, here's how this gets in the way of what God's calling us to do, okay? So, credit cards. So get a job, Um, and then let me show you this compound interest thing. Uh, actually, I'm not going to show you this. I'm, I'm going to run through it really, really quick because I have an activity for you. Um, so I'm just going to talk about it. So Ben and Arthur, all right, are two friends. One dude. Okay, so here's, here's the deal with this. This is based on a very, very uh, high return of 12%. I know that, that probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you guys, but basically this person is like investing in the stock market, like mutual funds or something, Okay. Um, it's not always guaranteed, so like, just take it for what it's worth. However, I do think it makes an illustration. Um, so I'm telling you this because one way that we in our culture have the ability to to steward God's money is is that sometimes we can wisely financially invest that money and make money off of money. Okay, and so um, old Benny Boy here, um, he starts at 19 years old and invests $2,000 a year, okay, into his uh, let's just call it the Roth IRA, okay, a retirement fund. Again, it doesn't really matter you guys, but let's just say this. I just want you to get the concept of this because he invests $2,000 at 19 to 26, all right? So a total of 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, $16,000, all right? He's got a buddy. His name is Arthur. He doesn't start investing until he's 27 and invests $2,000 for the rest of his life until he's 65, all right? So out of those two people, now I'm not showing you the rest of the graph, out of those two people, who do you think ends up with more money in their retirement account? Arthur, for the next like three decades, is putting two thousand dollars a year away. Arthur, so Arthur, yeah. percent building on top of Yes. I this math. Yeah. Talk about it in math. So here's what's crazy, right? Ben. Okay. Now this is based on twelve percent average. Again, that's a little bit high. But look at this, homeboy, right here that invested only twenty four or twenty six, whatever we said. Or sixteen, sixteen thousand um, didn't invest anything from that point forward, and with compound interest, has two million two hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars in his retirement fund. And then uh, Arthur doesn't end up bad, okay? But one million five hundred thirty-two. Okay, so the reason I'm bringing this up again, I'm not trying to tell you guys to invest. I'm not trying to tell you. I'm not trying to tell you how to deal with like your you know personal finances, because the point of this. Is to figure out what it looks like to steward the resources that God has given you in order to become outrageously generous and to bring His kingdom in amazing ways because you have the financial ability to, and even if you never have that much money, even if you never invest, like to be able to know how to steward your money for God's kingdom and His glory is so important. And so start early. Start now. Budgeting, start now, figuring out what it looks like to take 10% of everything that you make and putting it in the offering plate, taking 10% and saving it, and spending 80%, which is what we're going to do here in a second. Yeah. Okay, I just got to stop. Um, so the last thing is, is to make a budget uh, and be generous. This is the point of this whole thing. So be generous for the sake of God's glory. Huh? That is the point. Yes, this is the point. The point is is not being some greedy little turd or selfish little turd. The point is is being a completely overly generous person because that is what God does for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, we have like five minutes, so here's what I want to do. Um, I want to talk about the world's simplest budget, all right? Obviously, you can go to more details about this. Pretty simple, right? 10% give, save 10%, spend 80%, all right? Seems pretty simple. Obviously, you can change that up a little bit, minus the 10% thing, I would say that that's biblically mandated. Um, But what I want to do, um, which we have about five minutes, so you guys can do this pretty quickly. Um, I have cups here, all right? Um, What you'll need to do is to take three cups, all right, and a few sharpies, and then what you're going to do is you're going to make a cup for save, okay? You can decorate it however you want to. A cup for spend, um, and you can decorate it any way you want to. And then a cup uh, for give, which those things are sticking together. Anyways, a cup for give. The point of this is for you guys to take these home, put them on your shelf, and like have a visual. When you make money or when you get your allowance, you take 10% of that and you dump it in the give. You take 10% of that and dump it in the save. And I know that some of you guys have savings accounts, so maybe the save one is a little bit different. Um, And then you take 80% of it and put it into this spend. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever God's leading you to do. Okay? So you guys come up here quickly. Get three cups, some Sharpies. Here you go. Yeah, just pass them around. Pass them around. Yeah, you can you get it? I can't get it I it I have three cups? Okay, can you get it? Sure. to just leave it together. Give me that. It's hard It's It's